Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and we're going to talk about some super interesting things today. We're going to start with biblical discernment, and then uh, after that, we're going to chat about daily acts of friendship. I think that's a pretty important topic. And then in hour two, my friend Tom Berkowitz is going to join us. We're going to talk about Joshua in the Old Testament series with Dr. Peter Kapsner. But to get things started, discernment is, I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon, Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. What a great verse. Joe Dallas is my guest. He's an author and a conference speaker and an ordained pastoral counselor. He directs a biblical counseling ministry for those dealing with sexual and relational problems and their families as well. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Bill. Good talking with you again. Thank you so much. All right. The topic of discernment seems like it, uh, I don't know, does it come up often? Do we hear it much these days? We don't hear it as much as we should, which is an indicator that we need more of it. Yeah. Uh, Where there is biblically-based discernment, there is first a working knowledge of the Bible. Because from a working knowledge of the Bible, familiarity with it, you are able to discern what really is or is not biblical. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that working knowledge, then you can forget about biblical discernment because you can't discern whether or not something is in harmony with a document if you don't know the document. Uh, so that's why I say, ironically, we don't hear as much about biblical discernment as we need to, and I think that is largely because we have so uh broadly departed from the regular discipline study of the Scripture that I think the Bereans would have raised their eyebrows at. Mm-hmm. This is all on your website at joedallas.com, and you say in the blog on discernment, five Hebrew words in the Old Testament are translated discern in the King James Version, uh, as are three Greek words in the New Testament. They all have the same general meaning, examine, listen to, regard, Distinguish. That's actually a pretty good way of putting it, if I say so much. I would agree. (laughs) Yeah. That's why we both paused. Nothing else needed to be said. Well, I think what, again, it speaks to is the ability to, to determine, based on your working knowledge of a document, whether or not something aligns with that document. Let me give you a good example of how I fell prey to a lack of biblical discernment myself. Uh, Back when I was about 23 years old, I wrestled privately with homosexual temptations. And uh, I uh, knew enough of the Bible to know, well, homosexuality is wrong, sure seems to be uh, declared wrong in the Scripture, But then somebody came to me and said, well, you know, it may not be that simple. I think we dropped him, so we will try to get him back on the line. 
Joe Dallas is our guest. Um, I also want to mention that if you have not decided to uh, get in on this drawing, you need to, because we've got a couple of really great um, promotions in November. One is Susie Larson's book, Prepare Him Room. And this is a devotional, and I have had my hands on a copy, and it's spectacular. So you can make this Christmas time one that is full of joy and reflection and spiritual growth as you get yourself ready to be prepared for the season. And all you have to do uh, to get in on this drawing is to go to MyFaithRadio.com. We're giving away two devotional bundles, and they will include two copies of the book, Prepare Him Room, and two sets of these really lovely, uh, quote, graphic cards, one for you and one for a friend. So you can win yours now by getting into that drawing and signing up at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm also pretty excited to mention, too, that we've got listeners now in the Des Moines area that are listening at 100.7 FM and 107.1 FM KNWI. And that is an exciting piece of news, as I love Des Moines and all the Iowans can now listen to Faith Radio in the afternoon. And we're really glad that you can do that as well. So we're going to see if we can get Joe Dallas back on the board. And also, if you want to get our prayer devotional email, you can start doing that every week by getting a uh, prayer sent to your inbox. And you can sign up for that today as well at MyFaithRadio.com. feels like I'm saying go to the website a lot, but I think I am saying that because there's some great things there. And there's some great promotions and some really nice things you can sign up for. And you can also get the verse of the day, which I know a lot of people get. And it's the way they start their mornings with a verse of the day. You can get a daily Bible verse sent right to your email. You can sign up for that verse of the day at MyFaithRadio.com as well. I think we got Joe back on. Joe, are you there? I'm going to assume the problem is on my end, Bill. That's what I discern, and I apologize. I think it's with my system, not yours. Well, we missed you terribly when you were gone. <laughs> but you're back. Well, and and, and back. I must say you sound better. This is a good thing. Okay. Blessing in disguise. Yeah. Do you remember where you left off? Well, basically what I was trying to say was there was a time I fell prey to a lack of biblical discernment when I was presented with a pro-gay argument because I myself struggled with homosexuality. When I was 23 years old, I was told that maybe the Bible didn't really condemn homosexuality if I was born that way, because that would mean God made me that way. And maybe the authors of the Bible did not understand all that we understand today about human sexuality. Now, at face value, if you don't know the Scripture in its entirety, that might be a compelling argument. Mm -hmm. But if I had been operating with biblically-based discernment, I would have looked not just at the specific verses about homosexuality, but all of Scripture, which clarifies that we are born with a sin nature, so it doesn't matter whether or not we were born with a sinful tendency, that doesn't legitimize it. And I would have noticed that nowhere in Scripture is there anything but a condemnation of homosexuality, never a commendation of homosexuality. And I would have recognized that, as Paul said, all Scripture is inspired of God, and God is not limited in his knowledge about the human condition. Therefore, when he inspired the authors of Scripture to condemn that sin, he did so with a complete understanding of homosexuality and human sexuality. Now, if you see what I just did, Bill, that was the exercising of biblically-based discernment, and again, it's based on a working knowledge of Scripture in its entirety. So when you judge Scripture by Scripture, you rightly divide the word of truth. 
That's what we mean when we're talking about biblically-based discernment. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to discernment as something that we all need in our in our life, but what about the people that maybe want to appear a little bit spiritual and they're going to share their opinion and they're going to call it discernment when what they're doing is uh, just kind of being critical or judgmental in a way that maybe isn't loving? Okay, good point. Uh, there are different types of discernment. What you and I have been talking about so far is biblically-based discernment, discernment that is given by a working knowledge of the Bible. Then there is the gift of the discerning of spirits, which is a spiritual gift which Paul lists uh, when he wrote to the Corinthians in describing spiritual gifts. Then there is a broader kind of discernment by which people are gifted to discern perhaps um, someone's bad attitude or some particular problem that is not visible to the naked eye. Now, those are all legitimate. However, number one, if anybody says they are discerning something and what they say they discern is contradicted by Scripture, then forget it. Mm -hmm. They are not discerning something that is not from God. Secondly, um, I'm leery of anybody who talks too much about their discernment skills because it it can be a very holier-than-thou kind of a position to take, and it also is very subjective. Um, and, and we see this today, and I saw it, oh, decades ago when I was a young Christian. Uh, people saying, the Lord told me this, the Lord showed me that, the Lord has given me the ability to, to discern this or that. And while I'm the last person who's going to say God doesn't speak to people, I believe in the rhema, the direct communication from God to the individual, it does happen. However, um, it is also one of the most abused gifts because people frequently are attempting to either control or take authority over other people by saying, the Lord has shown me this about you, or the Lord has shown me that about you, when in fact um, they are basically speaking out of their own um, either prejudices or their own guess, you know, but that is not necessarily from God. Mm-hmm. So I do think that when people are frequently referring to themselves as having the ability to discern this or that, uh, I'm not going to say that they are necessarily lying. I am going to say, again, be like the Bereans. Do not just take it at face value. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken at a church or a conference, Bill, and somebody has come up afterwards and said, the Lord showed me this about you, or the Lord told me to tell you this. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a little leery of that because I think, now, Lord, do you not have my email address? I thought you did. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm being flipped now. I know I'm, I'm sounding a bit like a jerk, but I, I think the point I'm trying to make is um, occasionally, yes, God will use another person to speak to you, maybe even prophetically. But by and large, uh, you should be very careful who you receive that from. And the rule of thumb I go by is, I will generally take it seriously when someone says they discern this or that based on my knowledge of that person as a mature believer and someone who I trust. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll just be subjected to anybody who comes up to you and says, Bill, the Lord has given me discernment about you in this area. And um, where it gets even more, I, I guess, manipulative is in this. 
there are things you can say that are always true. I mean, in all fairness, Bill, I could say to you right now, you know, Bill, just since we've been talking, the reason the phone went out was because God drew me aside to help me discern something about you. You are not perfect. Well, are you going to really deny that? No, I'm not. I'm going to agree with and it. And I could say, oh, you see, Bill, <laughs> the Lord did tell me that. Yeah. Well, no, that's a safe guess. You could you could say that about anybody. Yeah, that's true. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joe, so interesting. Let me take a short break. When I come back, I want to uh, continue our discussion on discernment. Joe Dallas is my guest. Go to joedallas.com. He's written a three-part blog on discernment. It's all up there at his website. We'll be right back. Just climbed in your car or turned on your radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. Joe Dallas is my guest. We're talking about discernment. Go learn about Joe at joedallas.com, just like the city Dallas, joedallas.com. So, Joe, let's talk a little bit about discernment ministries. I would imagine those are important, they're needed. They do act as kind of watchmen, right? Whistleblowers, if necessary. Oh, sure, they do, Bill. They are very important, and, and I thank God for them. Uh, let me broaden this a little. I also thank God for healing ministries, me ministries too. that are especially gifted with people who have the gift of healing, and for uh, ministries that are prophetic or ministries that are exhortive. I mean, these are all necessary, but all forms of ministry can have their downside. And one of the downsides of discernment ministries can be, and this is not to, to say this is true of all or even most, but can be, a rather pharisaical attitude. And I think it can come with the territory. It must be hard when the gifting you have is to look at what somebody is saying or writing. And um, your calling is to um, challenge it if it is unbiblical. Well, that puts you in the position of sort of a uh, a Holy Ghost editor, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's a powerful place to be because you are going to go before the body of Christ and you're going to say, Reverend so-and-so has made a statement which does not square well with Scripture, and here's why. Okay, maybe that's necessary, but it also, again, can get you in the frame of mind of thinking you're sort of the watchdog, and indeed, to an extent, you are. The question becomes, are you to be the watchdog of every statement everyone makes? And if a statement is not essentially wrong, but perhaps wrong in a secondary way, or it's just a matter of uh, biblical interpretation over which the church is continually arguing, then you could run the risk of setting yourself up to be the arbiter of truth. Now, just for example, um, I think a good discernment ministry would call a Christian leader on the carpet. If a Christian leader got up and said something like, uh, 
I, I have come to an understanding that there are many ways to God. Mm-hmm. Well, that ought to set off every alarm from here to China. Right. <laughs> so, okay, good. They should say something. If, on the other hand, a Christian leader says, I believe that the rapture of the church will happen before the tribulation. Well, oh, come on. There are good arguments for that position. There are good arguments for a mid-trib position. There are good arguments for a post-trib position. You might have your position on this. I might have mine. But I do not think that is an essential that we should call somebody on the carpet over. Just as, uh, oh, I, I don't know, I, I, I think that uh, uh, the question of whether or not you can lose your salvation, the eternal security issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very fine Christian leaders who I have just tremendous respect for who believe that uh, no way can you lose your salvation. There are others equally fine, equally solid, who would say, Yes, in some cases, there is a point where you you can allow yourself to be hardened to the point where you do lose your salvation. Okay, that I do not think we should jump on as as a way of determining somebody as as preaching false doctrine. So this is why I say discernment ministries are very important. I have worked with a number of them, and I am fully supportive of some of them that I think do very vital work, because we do need people within the body of Christ who are basically saying, now wait, folks, I really need to point out that this is not biblical. And um, I, I think that if we had a little more of that, we might all be more cautious um, about making sure that what we say publicly squares with Scripture. So I think that is a good thing. But as I said, I think that it can be, it can make a person susceptible to becoming either holier than thou or pharisaical in their attitude towards other believers, as if to say, I'm the local discernment expert, and you're not, and therefore I will dispense my wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's not a very good attitude to have. Yeah. Joe, what about discerning our own hearts? Oh, well, that's fine for you, Bill. I'm not sure if I go for that. <laughs> but go ahead if you want to. Yeah. You know. Okay. Okay, look. Now, let's let's all really take this to heart, <laughs> so to speak. Yes. Um, I can't go shooting my big mouth off about truth if I have not first applied truth to me. Let's, that should be our rule, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I need to wait until I'm perfect before I speak, but I do need to know that I am submitting myself to the truth that I preach to others. Otherwise, I have no business preaching it. So I have to constantly, and I think you do as well, you do even more so, you're a a very public figure, you're in a very influential position. Um, we, We can recognize this. When we have the microphone, when we have a platform, we can influence. That's a very good thing. But we ourselves will largely be influenced by our heart. If we are not seeing to it that our hearts are under the influence of the Spirit of God, guided by biblical principles with the love of Christ constraining us, if we are not influenced by God, we will not be influencers for God. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So I have to be careful to be discerning my own heart. Now, there are a couple of things. In fact, I I do a weekly podcast, and I, I write a blog, and I communicate to churches I speak at and so forth. Okay, fine. Um, There are a couple of issues that are really on my heart that I really feel I need to be speaking on. Now, that's fine. 
and I should do it. But I also have to check my heart first because I'm kind of mad about some of these issues. And some of them, uh, my attitude is sort of like, oh, would you believe what that jerk is saying? How can he be so shallow? How can he be so immature? Wow, what a what a loser, you know. <laughs> I can't go out talking about the issue if I don't first clean up my own attitude about the person connected with the issue. Otherwise, you know what's going to come out. It's going to be just what Paul said. I can be speaking with the tongues of men and angel and prophesying and all that, but how's it going to come out? Clang, 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 clang. Right. It's just, it's not, if it's not done without love, then just don't do it, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is why I say, um, yes, it's important to speak the truth, but when people are commissioned to speak truth, they better first be sure they have let the truth be applied to themselves. You examine yourself first, like Jesus said. You yeah. take the, the log out of your own eye. And he didn't say shy away from removing the speck from your brother's eye. He just said, be sure you got clear vision while you do it. Fine's Bible Dictionary describes the Greek term used for conscience, conscious as the conscience in the New Testament as the process of thought which distinguishes what is what it considers morally morally good or bad, commending the good, condemning the bad, and so prompting to do the former and avoid the latter. Is that a way in which we understand our heart? Exactly. And conscience, by the way, is the the critical thing about the conscience is that it is a God-given mechanism. Now, it is fallible, okay? The Holy Spirit is not fallible. The Holy Spirit is infallible. So we, we have a few things operating within us to guide us. Uh, First and foremost, we must be guided by, again, our working knowledge of the revealed will of God in the Word of God. You've got to know the Bible. It doesn't mean you have to be a theologian, but you've got to read the book for heaven's sake. Mm -hmm. You have to understand God gave us a written document inspired by Him by which we can know truth. That's our primary way of knowing it. Secondarily, we have the Spirit of God. And Jesus said He will lead and guide you into all truth. He will convict the world of unrighteousness. The Spirit of God will enlighten you. Uh, In the book of Acts, whoa, did those guys rely on the Spirit of God to lead them? Because (laughs) in so many cases, that that was so needed, and and it still is today. Okay, so very important. Uh, Then there's also the conscience which God has given. Now, Paul told the Romans in both Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 that all humans have been given a conscience, the means by which in the natural sense we determine if something is moral or immoral. Now, while the conscience is fallible, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be listened to, because frequently uh, we have to make a decision based on conscience, because something may not be clearly spelled out in the Word of God, and we don't have a real strong sense of, oh, this is, this is how God would be leading me. Now, just a good example, movies, okay? I like movies. My wife likes movies. We go out to the movies. But that doesn't mean I can watch any movie that comes out. Mm-hmm. Because personally, I can't. I uh, I stumble pretty easily. You throw a bunch of naked bodies in front of me, and I'm in trouble. Yeah. Well, I guess that's true of anybody. But, I mean, I'm especially susceptible to suggestions of nudity and sexuality. So I have to be very careful. Even if a movie is essentially a good movie, if I hear that, oh, this is a good movie, but it's got say, nudity in it or graphic yeah. sexuality, I got a pass. I get a it. conscience issue. Joe, I appreciate you, um, you doing the show today. It's really nice to talk to you again. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Joe, thank you. Yeah. Joe Dallas has been my guest. Go to joedallas.com. Take a short break. When we come back. We're going to talk about friendship. You're going to love this. Be right back.
I love talking about friends. I love talking about friendships. And this is going to be a fun half hour because three friends wrote a book about friendship. Can't do much better than that. Julie, Kendra, and Kristen, they have done a one-year daily acts of friendship, 365 days to finding, keeping, and loving your friends. I'm so glad I've got Julie Fisk and Kendra Rail with me today. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. You bet. So who just spoke last? That was Kendra. Kendra, okay. I'm just trying to learn your voices. Sure. And then Kristen couldn't be with us today, but hi to Kristen, wherever she, she is. She could not. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, you know, I love this topic, and I appreciate uh, the fact you put this together and are willing to share some of the highlights of the book. Let's talk about uh, your focus in, on friendship, and why did you even decide to do this? Was this COVID-related? This was not. This was before COVID. Oh, sweet. Um Yes, it, it, it was, it's very timely, though. Um, one of the things, as we've gotten older, we've realized how important friendship is in our lives, um, both spiritually, but then also just in my life, generally just adding um, just adding so much to my life. And so as we've realized how important friendship was, we started to talk, and our parents, our moms were amazing moms, but they never intentionally taught us to do with friendship, especially as young women. Hmm. And so we had a lot of stumbling around over um, the years. And so as we were talking about it, we thought, you know, we wish we write the books we wish we had. And so we wish we'd had this book earlier. We wish we had somebody who had intentionally said, you know, this is what you do with other women, or this is how you engage in community. Um, So that's what it was birthed out of. Nice. So each devotional has this beautiful passage of scripture. You've got uh, some devotion part, and then you've got a little action step, which I think is great. Uh, maybe you could give our listeners a little sample of some of you know your favorite acts of friendship. Sure. So some of our favorite acts really have to do with, you know, there's more themes that come out than specific acts. So for example, we love the idea of, and this isn't just for women, right? This is for men, for families, for everyone. The idea of the theme of like encouragement and how can we come alongside and notice other people and encourage them? How can we see ourselves in community and not in competition with one another? Um, How do we pray for one another when there's a need that comes up? Um, Those kinds of things. So we really try to look at what are the themes in friendship that we really kind of want to touch on. And then each day has just a small, simple step that, you know, kind of hits on one of those themes. And so we really try to make it holistic. And this book, you know, is generally geared towards um, women, but we try to write things for families and for um, to engage children and, and parents as well in that conversation. So well, there's nothing wrong with gearing it towards women, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Julie, what, can you have a story for us from the book? <clears throat> you know, I do. Um it was years ago, I, my daughter got lice and I freaked out because she was a toddler and it was the first time I'd ever had to deal with lice and it's such a, it's just gross. And so I have a really good friend who is a cosmetologist and so I called her and she came over and she took a look and she was like, oh, it 
is. And this is what we're going to do. And she just, there was no shame, no, like, looking down on me. She just was like, this is how we're going to do it. And and just dispelled all of my anxiety, (laughs) all of my fear Mm -hmm. around it. And just made, just normalized it for me. And I thought, I want to be that kind of person for other women when somebody's in a moment of just sort of panic to come alongside and say, actually, you know what? This is not a big deal. This is how we're going to do it. And life is going to go on. And so um, that's one of, that's one of my stories in there. And just this idea of dispelling fear for somebody else. That story I love because your friend, was able to know what to do, stepped in, took charge, calmed your fears, solved the problem. This is a lovely friend you have. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. I love stories like this because we all want to be that person to our friends, you know, with whatever we have in our abilities to do. If it's, you know, for me, it'd probably be helping move some heavy, you know, marble coffee table or something. It wouldn't be anything too technical. But I love stories of friendship. Uh, do you have another one for me? I have one, sure. Um, one of my, so I have a good friend who years ago, when Julie and I started public speaking, um, I would get nervous right before I would get up on stage. And so I had, admit, had admitted to our Bible study of ladies that I was nervous for this first speaking engagement that we had. And so they prayed for me, and then they had asked, you know, the details of where it was and things. And then it was a church in our local community, but not one that any of us attended. And that Saturday morning, one of those ladies showed up, and she sat in the front row. And she she smiled at me the whole time, and it was such a blessing to me because when I looked out in the audience, I could see I had a friend and she was for me. And that has stuck with me, that idea of just coming alongside of each other and cheering one another on. Um, and, and being honest, you know, when we're struggling or when we're afraid or things like that, too, and having people pray for us. So I like it. I love it. What are some of the top attributes of being a good friend? Being fully in support of her dreams. Um, not being in competition, but being a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. There's no scarcity in the kingdom of God. And we, but we're told, we're, we're often told that we're in direct competition with one another. And so if she is getting something, that means that I then can't or won't. And that's not how God works. Um, we each have our faith race. He has something for all of us. And so I can be fully for her. And without any concern about what God can or cannot do for me, it has no bearing. And so that's one of the things that we're teaching our daughters very intentionally. And Kendra has a beautiful story about it, about cheerleading our women around us, people around us, but women in particular, making sure that we're cheerleaders of one another and not like secretly tearing one another down. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell it, Kendra? I can't. I can't, I can't. Are, you t- are you talking about Jasmine? Yes. Is that the story? Okay. Oh, yeah. So this Jasmine is my story. daughter. So here's the here's the other thing that uh, that goes along with this book is that uh, along with this one for women, we actually wrote a friendship book for girls, for tween girls, because as we were writing this devotional, we as we were talking with women and just kind of rethinking through our own lives, a lot of the patterns and friendship that we have, whether they are healthy or unhealthy, oftentimes they start when we're kids, when we're young. And so we thought, what better time to reach girls specifically than at that tween age? 
So we did write a book also for tween girls. Um, and so my, so these are things we're trying to teach our girls and not just our girls. We, Julie and I both have boys as well. So we're trying to teach them healthy friendship habits too. But my daughter, Jasmine, last spring, she's in uh, competition dance. She's been in it for many years. It's a passion of hers. And so my husband and I really want to support her in that. And she has gotten to know quite a lot of the girls um, on her team over the years, they've become really good friends to her. Last spring, we started going to competitions again, and these are all-day events. And so by the end of the day, um, she had um, she had one more dance to do in her large group, and then her that was the second to the last dance of the day, and then the last dance of the day was going to be her good friend, um, Brooklyn, who was going to be doing a solo. So, um, so some of the moms and I were sitting there watching Jasmine, we're going to sit and watch Jasmine's group. But by that time, a lot of the parents from other teams and things had already left because it had been a long day. And so there were just a few of us left in the auditorium. And so it was myself and some mom friends. And then, um, so Jasmine and her team, they, they do their dance and then they get off the stage. And as her friend Brooklyn gets on the stage to do the last dance of the day, we hear this voice in the back of the auditorium yell, go Brooklyn. And um, one of the moms leans over and she says to me, that's your girl. And I talked to her afterwards and I said, Jasmine, what made, cause we hadn't talked about that beforehand. What made you think to do that? And she said, well, I knew Brooklyn was going to be the last dance of the day. And I wanted her to know that she still had a friend who was there cheering her on because I figured that most of the people and rightly so would have left. So what she did was she did her dance. She ran off the stage, ran down the back hallway, came up through the back of the auditorium to make sure that she was there for her friend. And I love that story. And I share that one often because this is not just something, these are not just tools that we're trying to incorporate into our own lives. We're trying to teach our kids as well. And children are very smart and they sometimes even pick up on these things easier than we do. And so if they can learn these skills early on and carry them with it through their lives, um, that's our prayer. So that's a great story. Very encouraging. I love the fact that she knew the value and how important it was to be encouraging a friend. That's a great illustration. So what I love about your format here is you've got scripture, then a nice little devotional and then, uh, an action plan. So talk about how you're encouraging people to take a step of action at the end of each devotional. Well, we are nudgers. Um, We love encouraging people to step outside of their comfort zones a little bit and to reach out to people around them. That's just something that no matter what devotional we write, we always have a little nudge at the end of it. And so, um, like, for example, one of our nudges, um, is to co-host a party with a friend. So one of the things we did as early, Kendra and I have known each other for a very long time. And so in our, when we were younger and everybody around us was getting married and having babies, we would co-host baby showers together. So one woman would host, but then two or three other women would co-host with her because it made the work lighter. And so the other women would bring the decor, they would bring the food, prepare the devotional. And so one woman just would clean and then everybody else would come in with all of the other pieces of it. And it just built, it was so fun. And it just, it was one of those opportunities to build community. So one of our little nudges is 
have host a party and find somebody to co-host it with you and mm. and and do friendship that way. Oh, that's that's wonderful. When I was looking through your book, I I stumbled across July 6, and that was entitled Being a Friend to Yourself. I'd love for you to talk about that. Well, I think sometimes we um we will say things to ourselves that we would never say to anybody else. And so I think part of being a friend to yourself is looking at thinking about how do I talk to myself? How do I think about myself? Um, and is it, do I treat myself even the same way that I treat, um, treat other people or, and, and really to the way that I am in relationship with God, you know, it's important how we treat ourselves, but it's also important for us to think about how God is a friend to us and what does God say about us and who we are. And so that's really important for us as well. Um, to not just think about relationship with people, certainly, but as you said, being a friend to yourself, how do I speak to myself? How am I kind to myself um, each day? And then how how do I see God as my friend as well? Mm-hmm. You've got a 365-day devotional. I'm thinking if I try to write one of those, I'd be, I'd be out by day six. <laughs> how, how did you come up with so much material? Where was the inspiration? And, and was it difficult coming up with that many ideas for the reading? You know, it was interesting. There's three of us, so it certainly helps that there's three of us contributing. But then we also told the stories of other women, and so we had the most beautiful conversations. I started striking up conversations with women everywhere I went about friendship and just asking what their experience had been, what they thought about friendship. And so there's a lot of other women's stories in this book. You're not just reading about Julie... Kendra and Kristen. And then, of course, we always are prayerful. And so as we're writing a book, um, we're constantly saying, Lord, what would you, what else would you have us say about friendship? And so we just would try to stay very open as we moved through our daily routines. And it's amazing the little stories that come along and you're like, oh, that is a really good example of friendship. Or, oh, this is a spot where I did not handle that oh so very well and maybe I ought to write about that um, as a gentle accountability and as encouragement for somebody else who's maybe fallen a little flat because we are not perfect friends we don't get it right all the time we have to go and apologize we have to ask for forgiveness I mean there's we have to ask for second chances there's that's part of being in relationship with people we're messy we're messy complicated creatures and so just learning how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Let me take a little break. Julie Fisk and Kendra Rail are my guests. They have co-written a book with their friend Kristen Demery as well called The One Year Daily Acts of Friendship, 365 Days to Finding, Keeping, and Loving Your Friends. Be right back. about friendship today with Julie Fisk, Kendra Rail. They've co-written a book with another friend named Kristen. 
And it's called The Daily Acts of Friendship, 365 Days to Finding, Keeping, and Loving Your Friends. What do we learn about friendship from Scripture? Oh, my goodness. We learn so much about friendship from Scripture. We learn that God made us to be in relationship with Him and in relationship with one another. You know, Jesus said the greatest command is to love God with all of your heart and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And so there's really um, nothing more valuable as we go through this life than to than to think of our friendship, our relationship with God, and then our relationship with people. And if you look at, you know, the whole of the Bible is just story after story of relationships and um, how God intervened in relationships, but then how people did relationship through community as well. And so friendship is God's, it was God's idea. It's God's plan. And that's his way of us, you know, um, being with him and being with each other. Mm -hmm. Julie, anything to add to that? I would just say um, we are stronger when we're in relationship with one another. So when I'm in community with other women who love Jesus, they make me better. They hold me accountable. They encourage me. They when I'm when I'm dithering about whether or not I should do something, and God, you know, kind of pointing me in a direction, but it's a little uncomfortable. It's always been my girlfriends who gently shoved me off the cliff and into God's plans. I've relied heavily on women my entire life. And, and as I continue to get older, I realize how incredibly valuable um, having godly women in my life is for me. But then it, it's fun, but it also makes me just a better person. Mm-hmm. So when you put this devotional together, uh, did you find anything kind of surprise you about friendships in general? I, you know, one thing we realizes how hurt people have been in friendship. Mm. Um, I, you know, as I was striking up random conversations with women about friendship, so frequently eyes would fill with tears as they would share something really hard about friendship that they had encountered. So many people have bruised hearts because of friendship. Um, And that was somewhat surprising to me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I I hear about, you know, women almost breaking up with girlfriends. Like Absolutely. Well, I don't get that where guys will go um guys will say something like, well, you know, you're a big dummy. Uh, I never want to talk to you again. Oh yeah, we're playing golf tomorrow. What time do we tee off? <laughs> they they sort of just move on. Right, right. Men and women do relationship differently. Mhm. So, what do you have to say about the the women that end up sort of getting in fights and breaking up and then they're not friends anymore. You know, um, I, (laughs) I would say a couple of different things. Um, Healthy conflict is a really important part of friendship Mm -hmm. and using, you know, we need to assume the best of one another. We need to, when we have hurt feelings, we need to have conversations with one another um, and, and when we, when we don't do those things, we lose, we lose friendships. Um, on the flip side of that, sometimes it's outside of our control. So I would say to a woman who feels like she's been like, that has been walked away from in a friendship. If, if you've done what you can, it takes two in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's such a hard, you know, everything is, each situation is so hard and so personal um, 
so I would, but having said that, friendships are worth fighting for. And that means doing the hard work of conflict, doing the hard work of asking for forgiveness, doing the hard work of trying to talk it out and not just getting offended and leaving. That is a great point. So when you are someone who might be challenged when it comes to making friends, what kind of recommendation do you have for, for, for the people that are that have difficulty forming friendships? You know, I would say to start in the places you already go and with the people you already see. So most of us live in a neighborhood. We have people around us mm-hmm. um, there. We Maybe we have kids who are in sports or other activities, um, school activities, places like that in our churches. Um, there's always people, I think, who are looking for a friend if we're if we're willing to keep our eyes open. And I'll just say to Julie and I are both introverted extroverts. So introverted first by nature. And so I understand the uncomfortableness of that a little bit, but I think sometimes we have to be willing to be the one to go and sit down by somebody new and and to strike up a conversation. But I would say you don't have to step outside of those places that you're already going and those people that you're already seeing. Mm -hmm. I think Billy Graham said imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. And I think friendships Mm -hmm. are one of the main ways to represent Christ in the world. Absolutely. 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 The other other thing that I've done, you know, Kendra has a circle of friends with her dance moms and they're delightful women. None of my children are in dance, but her dance moms are so fun. I've just adopted her dance moms as my friends nice. too. Nice. Because Kendra's already, you know, Kendra's already friends with them, and I love and know Kendra. And so, be the friends of your friends' friends. Like <laughs> you can, you can sort of look at it that way too. Like, who do I already know, and who are their friends? And maybe I can have some friendships over there as well. Yeah, that's kind of group friendship. You sort of get a bunch of friends all at once. If you can Absolutely. fit into fit into the group, that's kind of a Interesting approach. You should market that approach. I like that. (laughs) So what would you hope readers to walk away with from your uh, daily devotional? And let me just say it again to the listeners. It's called the One Year Daily Daily Acts of Friendship, 365 Days to Finding and Keeping and Loving Your Friends. You know, I would just say to to anyone listening that we would just want them to be encouraged to grow in their relationship with God and with other people and to not be intimidated by it. You know, we create habits in the, in these everyday small little choices that we make. It's not these huge decisions that we have. And so that's part of the benefit of a devotional is that it just takes five minutes a day. It just gives you, like Julie said, that little nudge. Um, to kind of be intentional throughout your day to look for ways to be a friend to somebody around you. And I know that you've written other books. You've got one coming out. It's called One Good Word a Day. Can you give us a little sneak peek on that, or is it already out? It released last week. Oh, well, congratulations. Um, you probably wanted you. to talk about that one more than you did this one. No, no. We, <laughs> nope, we love all of our books, honestly. Um That is, you know, we have tried to do the one word a year thing in the past where you pick a word for the year and then you meditate it on your all year long. And I've had varying degrees of success with that. But we took that idea and said, well, instead of trying to hold one word for the whole year, what if we just held one word for each day? And what would it look like if we did a year of one word? Um, And so that's, that's what that book was birthed out of. And it's, far easier for me to hold a word for one day than it is for a year. <laughs> I would agree. Any other uh, comment on that? 
Um, I would just say again that, that, you know, we write, as Julie said, we write the books we wish we had. And so that's just a, another book, another option for someone who thinks maybe I'd, I'd want to be intentional, but more broad of topics than just friendship. Um, one good word a day would definitely give you that little dose and that little bit of a nudge too. you know, each day we like to encourage people in that one, we call it one good step. So yeah. we give them a little nudge every day. Well, give me an example. What was today's word? Okay, what is today's date? The Day 17th? is November 17th. Let's see, I'll look it up right now. In other words, you haven't read it yet. Because <laughs> you haven't well, you been know, thinking about it all day. Thing. People will come up to us and say, you know, <laughs> oh, I love today's, you know, word, it really spoke, which is just such a huge blessing. But at the same time, it's like, once you write something, you know, you don't always go back and read it every, every day. So, That's very true. Um, today's word is counsel. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And the scripture is Proverbs one twenty three. Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. Oh, I like that. Thank you so much for taking the time today to talk about friendship. I'm glad you guys are friends, and and I appreciate you spending time with me today. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for having, having us. us. You bet. Julie Fisk, Kendra Rail have been my guests, along with Kristen Demery. They wrote a book called Daily Acts of Friendship, 365 Days to Finding, Keeping, and Loving Your Friends. Take a little break when we come back. We're going to continue our series of Old Testament uh, people. And today we're going to talk to Tom Berkowitz about Joshua. Can hardly wait. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.